Hello, we're back with Blood and Bud with yours truly, Jesse Waglin Hall, and the awesome Billy Coyne. Billy Coyne, here we are, Bud and Blood, another fun episode, another time, here we are, and we are diving and getting straight into it. Yeah, buddy, we have the lovely and most talented Rosie Adler. How are you today? I'm great, Jesse. It's good to see you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk to you about everything. <laughs> awesome. Me too. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm definitely interested in, you know, hearing about your, you know, you, you know, your journey and, you know, what you've done and, you know, so, you know, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, sure. actually, Thank I you. met Rosie because of uh, the Christmas movie that we did together. Yes. That was such a fun that was experience. A lot of fun. Yes, I'm looking forward to working together again in the future. Yes, and like she's amazing artwork. This is one of her things. Beautiful. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about how uh, what you do, like as as of right now? Sure. Um, well, I own a tattoo shop in uh, East Hampstead, New Hampshire, called Rosie's Body Art Boutique. And uh, I do tattoos, permanent makeup, medical tattooing, body piercing. And um, I've been doing that for 32 years. My shop here has only been open for a year. Um, my original shop is in Worcester, Massachusetts, which was Miraculous Creations, which my son has owned for the past five years. And um, so it's been a really good, long career. I've had a lot of fun and... Um, I've, I've really enjoyed that. That's awesome. Do, um, I might be remembering this wrong, but did you, you help with like the laws in Massachusetts? Yes. Yeah. My ex-husband, um, was a tattoo artist. That's how I got into, um, that whole industry. And, um, when I met him and we got married, tattoos were actually illegal in Massachusetts. And um, everyone in the state, politician-wise, was like absolutely dead set, dead set against legalizing it, which of course just made it um, underground. You know, everyone was tattooing in their basements and their kitchens and things like that with no regulations and no monitoring. So they were in no way preventing tattooing from being done. They were just preventing it from being done healthy and safe. So, um, myself and my ex-husband started the process of, um, legalizing. It took eight years. And of course, numerous other people were involved in addition to us, but we worked on it for eight years. I was the spokesperson for eight years and, um, it took a lot, but we eventually got it pushed through and tattoos were legalized back at the end of 1999. So yeah, I, 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 I remember like that time frame. I remember people here in Massachusetts, I think they used to go to, I don't know if it was Rhode Island in New Hampshire, but they were going out of state, you know, it seems I'm for a while. Some, for that. Yep, some people would go out of state and a lot of people would have tattoo parties and just, you know, a lot of tattoo artists worked out of their house at their kitchen table and things like that. So uh, it's definitely... Um, you know, come a long way over the years. And now it's monitored and regulated and shops are inspected and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, so that, that makes it a lot safer and cleaner. 
That's so cool that you were like a part of that. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I actually did a commercial for uh, um, Stingray Tattoo. Um, cool. In, Mass- in Massachusetts. And it was kind of funny. It was uh, an homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where this guy basically gets his arm chucked and sawed off by another face that I picked up. And he's like, hey, where'd you get that cool tattoo? And it's like Stingray body art. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's amazing. Um, what, what, how, how did you get into modeling? Uh, actually, I just, I, I had a shop, um, in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, in a mall for a little while. And a woman that worked down the hall at a different store was a customer and she began modeling. And so she um, mentioned that to me and she kept saying, Rosie, you should do it. You should do it. You should do it. And um, I mean, I'll be honest, I went through a, a kind of a big journey for this because I used to actually be very heavy and I had a gastric bypass and lost over 130 pounds. And um, I did things a little bit differently than most people do. Than the, I did it differently than the, those classes and the doctor's offices and stuff teach you. I found my own ways of um, losing the weight, toning up, and all that kind of stuff after the surgery. And I was significantly more successful than they ever said was possible. Wow. And um, I've also, I've never had skin removal surgery. And they say that that's absolutely impossible. Like if you look at anything, everything tells you that if you lose more than like 80 pounds, you absolutely have to have skin removal surgery because it's going to hang. Yeah. But I'm pretty, I'm a pretty smart lady and I'm pretty resourceful And so I was like, no, 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 no. So I found ways to do it just with exercise and and really healthy eating, nutrition, eating really clean and, um, you know, things like that. And so I lost over 130 pounds and uh, my weight went in instead of hanging down like it does on a lot of people because I think a lot of people do it with still eating bad food, but eating just a little bit less or not exercising and things like that. So I did things differently, got the weight off. I'm as solid as a rock. I have no hanging skin or anything like that. I worked my butt off literally to get there and um, and did what every doctor on the planet says is absolutely impossible. So when my friends started talking about modeling, you know, part of me was very self-conscious, like, what? Wait, what? (laughs) And then I was like, you know, I've worked hard for this. I deserve this. What the hell? I'm going to give it a try. So I went with her to Fashion Week um, in New York, and I walked the runway in New York in Fashion Week uh, a couple years ago, three years ago. And then started um, submitting pictures to magazines and things like that. And I've been published in, oh, 16, I think, magazines. Um, I've been internationally published. I was published in a magazine in India, which made me international. Um, I've had one cover and one back cover. Um, so um, it took off. I did really, really well with that. Mm-hmm. And... Um, 
And then that led to my journey of acting. So it's, it's kind of been a, you know, a slow progressive thing. And now that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 61 and I feel like I'm kind of like a high school kid, you know, just getting out of high school and going out into the world because I'm starting all these new things mm-hmm. and having so much fun with all of it. Well, I love how there's no time limit on life. Like you can literally do everything or stop and start everything over at like any age. And you are living proof of that. <laughs> right. Right. Like your journey right. is just amazing. So inspirational. And I'm definitely someone that, you know, when you tell me I can't do something, oh, oh, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like to be told I can't do something. So, um, yeah, a lot of people were like, you know, you're going to do what? (laughs) You know, people thought I was crazy, but but I did it and it worked. And, uh, you know, when I first started with the modeling, I had uh, submitted to an agency, a local agency here in New Hampshire, and they were like, you know, although you're very lovely, um, there's no way anyone would ever want you with those tattoos. Like, I'm, I'm wearing sleeves, you can't really tell, but I'm covered, covered. in tattoos, as you know. Yeah. yeah. And um, so I was like, that's bizarre because all you have to do is turn on the TV and everyone you see has tattoos, you know, actors, musicians, everyone has tattoos. So I just thought that was really I completely understand where you're coming from too. And that's what kills me because I think casting directors, when they see, watch some of this stuff and, you know, I have friends that are casting directors. It's like, they might not be able to get past tattoos. But one thing I learned is a friend of mine out in Los Angeles, um, with H- HD makeup, which, you know, they use, you know, in, in certain yeah. situations, she basically removed, you know, how to make up artist, one of her friends. And, and then she was, and then she basically was able to do this, like, I don't know, meeting or something like that. They loved her. They hired her. And then she comes in. It's like, uh, with story with the ink. And it's like, Oh, my makeup, uh, friend, uh, you know, did that for me. And it's like, well, we don't have someone to do that. And it's like, well, hire her. It's like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are definitely ways to get around it. And, I mean, depending on what the character or the role is, you may be covered with clothes and they're not visible anyway. Um, I, I just uh, last week um, played a politician running for president. And you couldn't see any of my tattoos. The week before that, I was in Connecticut playing the role of a doctor in an emergency room. And, um, you know, you couldn't see my tattoos. So it, they haven't had any effect on anything that I've done. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you said, if there is something that they show, then if it's an issue, there is makeup that'll cover them. And that's, that's, it's wonderful how, you know, this venture that you've gone on where, You've just, you know, taken on these, you know, where tattooing was definitely, you know, the foundation, but getting into, you know, print international acclaim and then starting to venture more into, you know, film territory. I mean, you know, it's it's wonderful. And, you know, you, you can be whatever age, you know, and it's almost like you're you're not so much reinventing yourself, but you're just learning more and adding, you know, to your repertoire as an artist where you can, you know, do different things, you know, in your craft and your trade. Oh, absolutely. And 
I, I think it's been a big confidence booster for me as well, because these are things that I never in a million years imagined that I would ever do. And I still sit there and go, you're a model or you're acting? <laughs> what? You know, it's just, it's crazy, but I'm loving it. I'm having fun. Um, you know, so it, 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 I really am reinventing myself. And like I said, I feel like I just got out of high school or college or something and I'm just starting a new life and I'm still tattooing and doing the business that I've done for over 30 years, but everything else is new and feels kind of childlike, you know? I think that's what that's life's wonderful. about. Like seeing life through the eyes of a child, like having the excitement about what's next, what's what's this gonna be like tomorrow? Like I don't know, I'm just so excited about everything. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of helping me to stay young. You know, it's like I see a lot of friends and stuff like that. That you know, we're all the same age that went to like the same school and stuff together, and the a lot of them don't have something new that they're doing. So they seem like they're like getting old and tired. Because they're like stagnant. Yeah. And I don't want to do that. I don't mean any offense to anyone else or anything for what they've chosen to do in their life. But for me, having these new things with the modeling and the acting, um, it's just given me kind of a new, um, a new zest, you know, it's made me, um, I guess have a passion um, for for life to get out there and do things. And, you know, it's, it's scary. I won't lie before, um, it, you know, everything I've done before I do it, the nerves get going, you know, the anxiety. And I'm like, Oh my God, what was I thinking? I can't do this. I can't do this. And then you get up there and you do it and you're like, Oh, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's wonderful that you have passion and zest for, you know, loving what you do. I mean, you know, I knew what I wanted to do when I was five years old and I just turned 40 and, you know, makeup effects and monsters. But, you know, no matter at what age, when, when you find, you know, what you're truly passionate for and that drive it's just you feel like the sky's the limit because you are experiencing happiness in something that you truly can, you know, just feel good about what you're doing because, you know, you're being artistic, you know, the collaborator of process, you know, where it might be doing things, you know, with people. And it's just, um, I think there's something that's just, that's just invigorating about just doing and venturing into brand new things. Right, right. And it's, I think it's good to challenge yourself too, um, for everybody with whatever your thing is. When you're scared of something, I think that's when it's important to make yourself do it. Because you can hinder yourself. Yeah. Right. And those kind of things can take you over and prevent you from doing things in your life. So I've always, with anything in life, I've always been a passionate person. I've always had a passion just for life in general. And I feel like if you're going to do something, put yourself out there and, and do it and have fun with it and do your best. And so when, when I do something that causes me to have anxiety or be fearful and then I do it, then I feel, you know, proud of myself and stronger after like, yes, you conquered that beast, you know, 
And then that gives you more zest to go on and do it again. Yeah. 100%. 1,000%. Oh, my God. I remember, like, my first acting gig. Billy was there. I had, like, two weeks to learn all my lines. It was just insane. But after doing it, I just felt like, really? I just, I was just the main character in a movie. Like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Yeah. Like a new feeling. And it's just like, yes, I feel so powerful. And you exuded that confidence. And, but I could tell you were petrified. But the thing is, I, I'm not in a position to say anything because I shouldn't. But you carried yourself so well, considering how, you know, there are people in the buff that I, I painted them all white. You're there in the buff, covered in blood. And it's just this weird, surrealistic, almost like a Fellini, um, Ken Russell's Devils, you know, kind of just insanity. And it was a short film, but, um, you know, Jesse did so good on that. And I think it's important to just try to keep your composure when you can, even though you might, you're excited about, you know, stuff. And, you know, exactly. I've, been in, I've been in that situation as well. So it's just like... Let's just be cool as a cucumber, even though our we're just I so. Sometimes we're not cool. cool. Sometimes we just stand there and we giggle, and we just need to like catch our composure, but we can't. So movie right. magic happens. <laughs> yeah, and I think sometimes you know laughter is vital um, when you're on set because I think when things can be whatever, if it's of an uncomfortable nature or if it's of just kind of when you're getting tired and kind of loopy and you just like, you know, you laugh, you get through it and it's like, all right, now let's just finish this. <laughs> right. Right. How did you meet Gino? Uh, we actually met on Facebook. Um, I honestly don't know who friended who, but one of us friended each other and, you know, we just get kind of the casual, like each other's post kind of thing. Like everybody does uh, no big deal. And, um, I was, I was actually, now that I think of it, I was taking a voiceover class, um, by Wendy Zier and she knows Gino and I was taking the class and Gino had been posting about, um, scarecrows and, um, so, um, and then I think he had mentioned the Christmas movie or that he was going to be doing another movie or something like that. And, um, I hadn't ever talked to Gino and I said something to Wendy. I said, Oh, I would love to talk to Gino and maybe be in one of his movies. And she said, well, Gino's a really nice, nice guy. Just send him a message and say, Hey, Gino, if you ever have anything that seems appropriate for me, please keep me in mind. So I was like, Oh God. But I did that. I I sent him a, a message through Facebook Messenger and, you know, said exactly that. Like, if you ever have anything come up that would be appropriate for me, please keep me in mind. And then that was the end of it. I I didn't want to push. I never push anybody or bug anybody or ask anyone for anything. And then um, the premiere of Scarecrows was coming out. And my husband and I had just sold our house and had bought a new one, but we had a week in between the two. So we were staying at a hotel for a week. And um, Gino was having the um, oh, the uh, premiere. And my husband and I said, you know what? We're sitting here in a hotel twiddling our thumbs. So let's take a drive down to Massachusetts and see the premiere. 
So um, we went to the premiere, and when we were leaving and saying goodbye to everyone, um, Gino gave me a hug, and he said, the movie I just announced on stage that's going to be the next one, the Christmas movie, is one that I have a character in mind for you. If you're interested, I'll send you the script. And I said, yes, definitely. So he sent it to me, like, the next day, I think. (laughs) And I read it, and I was like, this could not be more perfect. It was, it was just so perfect for me for numerous reasons, for some things that were going on in my own family life yeah. that kind of matched up with some of the stuff it's in the movie. When it comes to his scripts, like he writes for his characters. It's insane. But he, yeah. like, it's smart. Oh, it, yes. And it was so awesome. So I read the script and I was just like, I mean, absolutely. Like, I, I want to do this. And it was also a small role, which was perfect because it was my first one. And of course, I was terrified. I and um, <laughs> and uh, I was also scared about, you know, can I memorize the lines and all that kind of stuff. So having a short role was perfect for me for my first one. And, um, so, and that's how it started. Gino gave me a chance and, you know, I did it and, you know, we all became movie family and, and, you know, we all and then, uh, you know, it gave me the confidence to kind of go out and I've, I've done a couple other things since and have a couple other things coming up too. So. And they've all been reasonably small ones, so I feel comfortable and not overly scared about memorizing my lines or anything. Um, got, uh, two weeks ago, I think we were in Connecticut doing the the one where I played a doctor, and uh, that was my second one, you know, the first one after Gino's movie. And I was out out in the next room, and I was like pacing, going what was I thinking? I can't do this. I can't do this. What was I thinking? I need to go. And then they called me and I went in there, nailed it. Nailed <laughs> it. it. It was like, I went from massive anxiety, ready to run out the door to when they called my name and it was time to go on. I just did it. I did it with no problem. And when I was done, I, I was actually stunned that I did it and <laughs> it came out really, really good. So I was really proud of myself and so that gives me then the confidence to move on to the next one. Yeah. When you're, when you're experiencing that nervousness and then it switches over, do you feel like, even though you are doing it, do you almost feel like you're, um, there's like a, like a numbness or do you feel like you're just like, um, almost trying to, I, I don't, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm having a, a brain fart here trying to explain. Later, but That's I don't know okay. if what I said makes any sense at all. But um No, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's not like a numbness. I, I think I still feel the nerves kind of going through it, but when it's like, you know, okay, you know, time to go, then I just start rattling off the lines and everything went smooth. I did what I was supposed to do, and then after it's like, you know, it's it's like an excitement, like you get all jazzed up, like, yeah, I did it, I did it, <laughs> you know. But um, no, I, I don't go numb. I think I kind of stay nervous through it, but it doesn't show. I just yeah. kind of flow through it. Yeah, you kind of like shove that feeling down into your body. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because, yeah. 
keep it internal and exude, you know, the performance. <laughs> right, right. I try to find, like, myself in the character. Like, if I can make it as natural as possible, then I go for it. And it's just like... Yeah. <laughs> right, right. You know, I remember many, many years ago, probably like 20 years ago, I had this audio book. I used to have a really long drive back and forth to work. And I got an audio book and it was called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. And I listened to that and it, it really struck me very profoundly. And I've lived my life by that ever since, you know, feel the fear, but then do it anyway. And it's, but move on. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we all feel fear. Everybody does. And I think it'd be abnormal not to. And, um, you know, so there's one thing to feel fear and then have it control you and push you back and you walk away from what you want to do because you can't control it. But if you can feel the fear of, of whatever you're doing, it doesn't have to be acting. It could be anything that makes you nervous. But if you can feel it and then say, okay, I get it. This is making me nervous, but it's not going to stop me. And you just keep going through it. Then you just get stronger and stronger and stronger. And it makes everything easier in your life as you go through things that make you nervous or scared or hard times. And we all have those times, you know, but it helps you push through. And and it's kind of like an old, um, it's, it's like an Asian proverb. It's like the whole to actually grow, you need to go through a series of being uncomfortable in life. And it's uh, almost like the shell of Mm -hmm. a lobster or a crustacean because, you know, that thing is growing. It's feeling uncomfortable naturally. It sheds that skin and then it just, you know, still continues and thrives. Yes. Yes. And imagine how much less all of us would do if we didn't get past things that make us nervous. You know, we'd we'd all be kind of stagnant because, you know, we have fear and nerves about so many things in our life um, that if if we didn't fight through those things, we would really, you know, be stuck all the time. So I think it's important for everyone to be able to recognize when things make them nervous or anxious or whatever. But those are usually also the things that are really important to you. And that's why they make you nervous. Mm -hmm. So you fight your way through and you do it and good things come out of it yeah and i completely agree with you um and it's difficult because one thing i mean since i've been doing special makeup for 20 years i second unit direct sometimes but a piece of me is like you've been directing your whole life you need to direct a feature film so it's almost like a step process where it's like learning how to second unit direct, coming out of a special makeup effects background, learning what everyone does on a set. And, you know, and it's like, all right, now you need to figure out your story, you know, the makeup effects, if you are going to have any, which I should consider, and that's the foundation. But when you just, you never want to, I mean, you're just motivating the shit out of me, you know, part of the French. <laughs> but, you know, it's like, you know, I'm making this alien for this 1950s movie and it's just a short. And I think, you know, to have aspirations, you know, you set many goals for yourself. So for me, it's like, let's do three short films and then venture into maybe something, you know, theatrical sized. Yes. Yeah, no, that's great. But I, you know, but I agree with what, 
because there's nothing worse than, you know, you feel like you're holding yourself back because you always just want to keep moving forward, you know? And when you have that hesitation and it it builds over time, it almost like um, becomes a sense of like being complacent. And you really don't want to have that mentality because then you just become stuck. And so it's like, you just have to keep moving. It's like, well, the famous Walt Disney quote, keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Exactly. I love that quote. Yeah. I use like anger as fuel tool. Like if someone like said I couldn't do something, I'd get mad. And it's just like, nope, I'm going to put that in the tank and we're going to go with it. Exactly. I've always been like that. If someone tells me I can't do something, oh yeah, watch me. (laughs) And anger can be an amazing motivator sometimes because, you know, once you get through it, it's like, I conquered that bitch. (laughs) Right, right. And I've, I also, um, you know, I'm, I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person, but I'm spiritual. And, you know, I think of things like, you know, I I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking about the things that I wish I'd done. You know, you hear that so many times, uh, you know, the regrets that people have. And I don't want that to be my experience. I want to be like that role model for my grandchildren and for my son to go out and live your life and live your dreams. And even if it seems out of reach or unrealistic or it invokes fear or anxiety, still go out there. If there's something that you want to do, find a way to make yourself do it. And it will just make your you stronger. And then like when that time comes, you're not laying there on your deathbed, having all kinds of regrets about what you didn't do. Yeah. And I think people should realize too, like, it doesn't matter what shape, size, color that you are, like, your look will be needed in something. If you put it to the universe and be like, hey, like, this is what I want to do. Like, I was working at Cumberland Farms, and I'm sitting there. I'm having the worst day. But all the customers had no idea. I'm just like, hi, have a good one. Like, I'm trying to make their day better. And I realized, holy shit, I'm an actress. I'm not even going to lie. I broke Exactly. Up. Yeah, this dude said I was going to be nothing but a stoner loser, amount to nothing. A week later, I get that role from Victoria. I was like, main character, bitch. Fuck that. It was great. Yes. Just tell that universe, man. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I do. Beautiful. You put yourself out there in the ether, you know, and you never know what's going to grab a hold sometimes. So, that's right. You know, and you just can either resist it or you can just go with the flow. And that's the great thing because, you know, if you need to resist it, if you just go with it, you know, and if anything, there's a hiccup, whatever. But, you know, it's like the old saying, he who hesitates is yanked. <laughs> and, um, you know, but you just need to figure things out. And it's wonderful when you can find stuff that you love to do and just, you know, whether if it's a hobby or just, you know, even be able to make it, you know, professional somehow, whatever the trade is, it's just gratifying because it never feels like work. You just wake up and you just go in and enjoy what you do. Whether yeah, it's exactly. construction or acting, you know. Yeah. And I feel like I am very, very uh, fortunate, very blessed, whatever you want to call it, because 
my job job, running my own business, tattooing, piercing, those are things that I also have a passion for. And so I don't go out and do like a nine to five job where I feel miserable all day long. I enjoy my job and I enjoy interacting with my clients and, you know, creating works of art and everything like that. I I love my job. And then when I started the modeling, I love that. And then I started the acting and I love that. And, and most importantly, my, my most important role is, I mean, I'm, I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother. Um, I have a wonderful son. I have two beautiful granddaughters. So my life is very, very full and very, very blessed, but it could have just as easily been, you know, I could be working like a, a nine to five job as, I don't know, a bank teller or something, you know, and, and just be totally bored to death and just functioning through life every day. But I knew that route wasn't for me. So early on, I was like, no, I'm finding something that I can feel passionate and good about and enjoy my life about, you know, life's too short to be miserable all the time. Of course. 100%. You know what helps my, my life when sometimes I feel miserable? Marijuana. There you go. <laughs> oh, marijuana. Well, um, I have to ask, what is your favorite type of strain? Me? Yeah. Oh, God, I have no idea. I'm not a good one to ask that. I I do smoke. I don't smoke during the day. I never smoke before work or after work or during work. But at night, after work, like before I go to bed, I smoke. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I I don't know anything about well, it. I if, just if it's before smoke. you go to bed, then I would imagine it would be something along the lines of like an it's indica. Yeah. You just kind of relax yeah. because I mean there are so many strains. I mean there's two main ones: is I want to go to sleep and be able to pass out, or I want, I want to, to feel something and function somewhat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm I'm more of the smoke to sleep kind of person. Hey, nothing wrong so, with that. Yeah. Has it always been like that for you? Uh, you know, when I was, I mean, I'm in, I'm 61 now. When I was significantly younger, you know, when I was in high school and all that, I smoked like, you know, all the other kids did and stuff like that. But it, it was different then. I don't even know if we called it strains and all that kind of stuff. It no, was I mean, it wasn't until no. the 80s. It really wasn't until like the 80s when so much changed with the, the highs. Yeah. So kind of before then, it was that. You know, you had like one guy you would buy from. He would have some, like the size of like a Samsonite briefcase, and it's like <laughs> you need to smoke almost half of it just to be like, I think I feel something. And that yeah, was like usually was, from like the sixties and the seventies. Yeah, it was pretty easy and pretty standard back in those days. Now it's gotten very, very complicated, and they all have all kinds of cutesy names and all kind of stuff like that. But. I honestly don't know. <laughs> no, no, but it's just, it, it is oh, amazing how it's huge corporate entity, you know, that has different strains, you know, there's different names for it. And there's dispensaries now. So, you know, and then there's the stuff if you're in the hospital, then, you know, they can, you know, have stuff there that can help. And, um, but no, but I mean, that's great, you know, just to like, you know, take the edge off before the end of the night. I mean, why not? I mean, if you're working, you know, a long day and you just you know want to pass out there i completely understand where you're coming from yeah for me i'll tell you my brain doesn't turn off 
I'm, I'm always, what do I got to do? Where do I got to be? What do I got to do next? My brain just always is going. Well, I so can relate. I tend I to relate. not get a lot of sleep. So I, and I don't like to take pills or things like that. So I don't want to take sleeping pills. So for me to smoke before I go to bed, then that allows me to sleep without taking sleeping pills. I'm glad it's beneficial. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes, yeah, like if I go to bed like a 10, then I might not be passing out till like midnight if I'm lucky. And it's difficult when you're for your brain to turn off. So I understand you have something like an indica, maybe like an hour beforehand, then it's like, all right, now I can relax and sleep through the night. Exactly. So it's just, you know, there's definitely the benefit, you know, I mean, uh, you know, I'm a high, um, uh, you know, I just deal with high anxiety, you know, you know, all, all, all the time. So it's really difficult for my brain to turn off. So when I go to bed, I want my brain to relax. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly how I am. Cause I would just lay there thinking about everything I had to do the next day. So if I smoke before I go to bed, then I will actually fall asleep and get a good night's rest. Oh yeah. That's what it's for. What happened last night? Um, I got this Wonka bar and it's delicious, right? So I ate like three, three and a half pieces. And I'm like, oh yeah, I have a, I have a huge tolerance. I smoke all the time. No, I passed out. Like I woke up still stoned this morning. I'm just like, oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I, just oh, discovered, I just discovered something called a moon bar, which I think they're like $10. And they completely lie to you because I think they say it's like X amount that's in there, but you know, I like to be lied to, and you know, it's way <laughs> more than that. But it's, I, you know, it was funny because I mean, I basically just quoted Joey Diaz, you know, on Joe Rogan, but it's true, you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Funny story on, on with the edibles because I'm, I'm, I don't usually do edibles very much, and I really don't know much about it either. But uh, a friend of mine had given me a, it was a little peanut butter cup, like the little small ones. And um, my husband and I were going to a concert and we'd been to concerts at this place numerous times. I'm very comfortable there, know the place well. And so I ate this little peanut butter cup and then we left, went to the concert and I'm, I totally forgot I even ate it and I'm not thinking anything of it. And then we get there and the band hadn't come out yet. And we're sitting there and I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I said to my husband, I'm like, I, I want to go home. And he's like, what do you mean you want to go home? The, the show hasn't even started yet. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel really weird. I want to go home. And he's and then he realized and he cracks up laughing. He goes, it's because of the um, the edible that you had. And. He's like, don't worry. He goes, just relax. When the band comes out, you'll be fine. And I was. The band came out. I forgot all about it. Had a great night. Had a lot of fun. <laughs> but it was so funny because I was all freaked out for a few minutes there. Probably about 10, 15 minutes. I was all like, I don't know what to do. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's amazing how many milligrams they can put into something so small. If you kind of think about it. So yeah, I mean, and I have no it was idea. probably smaller than like a standard like Reese's cup, but it's like, you know, it could be, I mean, you know, it's, it's like when people be like uh, the whole gummy bear thing. Oh, just eat an arm. 
Who's eating the arm of a gummy bear? If you're going to eat the whole thing. <laughs> exactly. Oh, too funny. Stories, I, uh, it was a Wonka bar story because these things are dangerous. Wonka bar. Um, so I like, I ate one and I woke up to go to work. It was like 6 a.m. And I'm feeling really stoned, like more stoned than I thought. And I go to work and I'm like, sorry, Jen, like, I woke up and I wasn't supposed to be this high. And she's just like, wait, how stoned are you? I was like, I'm like, I'm really fucking high. And she's just like, okay, just, just go on register. Don't do anything else. I mean, you, you trust me with money right now and with customers. Okay, fine. It was the most chill day I ever had at Cumberland Farms. Oh, that is so funny. All my customers are like, are you sharing? And I'm like, I wish I could, man. <laughs> I mean, I, it's it's funny how that works because when I worked in record sales for both Virgin and Fye, the biggest stoners were the best people to work money at the registers because they were almost became like savants. So they would have like these giant bowls outside directly in front of like you know downtown crossing, and then they go inside and they're like you know just geniuses, you know, bringing up transactions. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, Billy, what are you smoking tonight? Uh, um, I believe I have some mimosa, um, which is a hybrid, a uh, little more indica, I'm sorry, uh, sativa dominant. Um, and I have some clay that just came in. So I'm probably going to get to sculpting tonight but first you know have a little bowl of something that can pick me up and just you know get downstairs and open everything up and assess the materials and just um you know get some work done but uh as i close in towards the evening you know probably see whatever i have a little more on the indica side and just just take a puff and pass out well, I got, I was fortunate enough to get more of the White Widow dabs. And I have enough to share with you next time I see you. Uh, no, that was the strain I discovered out in California. That like was just the uh, most delicious, gets the job done, where you can relax and get stuff done. Mm-hmm. But if you um, want to sleep, you can. If you don't want to sleep, you don't have to. You're still high. <laughs> <laughs> I think that concludes this uh, awesome episode with you, Rosie. I appreciate it so much. Oh, no, thank you so much, both. I really appreciate it. It was I fun. Mean, yeah, we really appreciate your time, and this is just wonderful. And, you know, I actually have a question for you after we finish up here, too. Oh, no. yeah, sure. Did you want to say any, like, departing words to the viewers, like where to find you on social media, where to find your shop? Uh, sure. Uh, my shop is uh, Rosie's Body Art Boutique in East Hampstead, New Hampshire. I also um, work Mondays at my son's shop in Worcester, which is Miraculous Creations in Worcester, Massachusetts. I'm all over the place. And um, Rosie Ann Lauer is my Facebook and Instagram is Rosie A underscore model actor i had to think about that <laughs> awesome <laughs> thank you again and thank you a lot to uh, the boom Bastic media crew and you know daddy matt we love you we love you matt <laughs>
Thank you all. And we will see you on the next episode of Blood and Bud. Peace out, guys. (laughs) Bye. This show is a part of the Boombastic Media Network. If you enjoyed it, check out other episodes wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to watch and support the cause a little deeper, check out our Patreon page at Boombastic Streaming. That's Boombastic with two O's at Patreon.com for uncut videos, past and present, from podcasts as well as early access and all types of Boombastic goodies. Our podcasts and films all in one place. Plug in. We appreciate you and your support.